If you want to crush your quota, you're in the right place. My first year in sales, I sold $758,000 on a $150,000 quota, and that was just the beginning. I'm your host, Mary Grothy. I'm a former number one B2B mid-market SaaS sales rep turned CEO. I've sold millions in revenue, broken multiple records, and now I run a company that rebuilds revenue engines and creates top sales performance. This isn't a show about achieving quota. This isn't about being okay in sales. This is about being number one and learning what it takes to crush your quota. It's a challenge when a client relationship goes awry. Coming from the world of payroll and HR, working for a big Fortune 1000 company, it was a constant struggle for me to maintain client relationships when so much was out of my control. And it was hard as a salesperson. I cared so deeply. I was one of those emotional salespeople. Okay, I still am. I have heard some sales gurus say, sales is sales. You're not in sales to make friends. You're there to make money, win deals. I have too much heart to have that mentality. I love my clients, like actually love them. In fact, so many of them that I sold payroll to even a decade ago are my friends today and moved on in their careers and we're working together in other ways. I just genuinely care about the well-being of people, which is why I love the sales profession so much. But it's a challenge when the client relationship goes awry, when things go wrong, when something happens. And is as a salesperson, if you're in a hunter role or full cycle, or if you're in account management, or those of you even listening in who have more of a customer success type role, the client relationship is key. And who are we kidding? For those of you that own a company or an executive leadership and you have responsibility with client relationships, like you're in on this too. Well, this is a big topic. Client relationships are everything. They can be the lifeblood of your business. Obviously, they're spending money with you. There's always retention, revenue expansion, renewals. What about referrals? Creating brand ambassadors. They are so important to your business. Today, we wanted to bring on an expert who is going to help talk us through how to repair your client relationship when things go wrong. We have today Lynn Whitbeck, and she is the founder and CEO of Petite to Queen and Future Forward Sales. She helps the world by providing sales and leadership training programs to achieve more faster. Hmm, Who doesn't want that? Lynn is the catalyst for businesses to turn their sales teams into revenue generating champions, which is why we wanted to have her here because I think we both really Love you all. And we're excited to hear what she has to say about repairing client relationships. Lynn, welcome to our show. Oh, Mary, it's a pleasure to be here. And I have to tell you, I am so there with you. I My entire value set is all about um, uh, being of service to others. And that's why sales was such a great fit for me as well. And just like you, I have those friends that go way back. I mean, for decades and decades that I can still pick up the phone that they started as clients and now they're friends and I can give them a call, check in, and we've all moved on uh, in, in our careers. And that, that those relationships, that's really the ultimate gift that we can, we give ourselves um, when we're in sales. 
I completely agree, clearly, because that's how I open. And I'm <laughs> thankful that we're aligned on that because I just hear a lot of sales gurus and sales trainers and really it's okay. Everybody has a unique way of selling and that's okay. But even just recently, I was on Clubhouse listening to a very well-known, uh, very well-respected, and boy, I do respect him a lot too. And he was just talking about how that component of it doesn't matter. And that it's just about getting the sale. And you know what? He's been super successful. That's fine. There's two ways to go about it. I'm different. I choose to care. Well, tell our listeners who you are. I want to hear more of your backstory and how you came to love this profession as much as we all do. Yeah, I, you know, so I started in sales by chance. <laughs> like so many people. Wait, and you didn't <laughs> you didn't come out like no, I did not. I did not leave graduate school with an intention to go into professional sales. Um, it was just one of those things that I, I, I just had this opportunity. I went ahead and took it. Uh, it was for a small, a small business. And that first year, um, I was actually only in sales for nine months. And that included like not ever having sold a thing. <laughs> and I outsold the business part, the, their business partner the first year and the second year, I outsold the the primary partner and just sort of never looked back. And as my career ex expanded, I went to work for a very large, uh, you know, Fortune 500 company, and uh, climbed the the executive ladder. And I became sort of like the business development executive um, uh, vice president who came in to help close deals. And I was being flown all over the country every week, and so. But it is, it's a, it's in a relationship. It's with people. You're working with other people. And that's where that, and we all know, no matter how great a job we do and our company does, things go sideways. Okay. And that's when we're at an inflection point with those relationships. And this is so critical because this is can be a make or break. And it may not be a break immediately, but a bitter seed can be planted that festers and becomes a break. So when things go sideways and there's all kinds of levels, right? Of whether you're at DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 5, but how we manage that situation and how we uh, treat our customers, uh, that is going to make or break our relationship moving forward. Agreed. And they remember it. They know how you made them feel. And that's the the famous quote that I live by. So they're not going to remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. So tell me more. How did this aspect of your career shape your understanding of how to care for clients and build that initial relationship before things had an opportunity to go awry and needed to be fixed? Well, you're always, when, when you're building your relationship, the number one thing is to demonstrate your worthy intent, that you are in it for them, that you, um, that you're genuinely curious. You want to make sure that you're being of service and you're delivering value. And when you see that there is not a fit for whatever reason, they're not ready at that stage cycle. Uh, their business model, um, isn't the right cog in the wheel, how, whatever it is, um, that you then become a resource to them and you are still being of service and you give them that you, you can either provide them with referrals or ideas. They have somebody that they can pick up the phone and call and say, do you have an idea about this? I just want to bend your ear for 15 minutes and you're there for them. That 
relationship, even when it's not going to close a sale, that can lead to additional opportunities down the road. And that's, that's about being a good person, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> of sharing that genuine kindness. Uh, and when you do that, and you then bring that into your day-to-day sales with your customers, people want to do business with people that they like, that people who hear them, that care about them. And you give them this safety net of somebody who's going to be there. And you really are able to rapidly build your rapport, your trust, the credibility um, through that when you start with worthy intent. I love that term. And we often talk about passion, conviction, and enthusiasm, PCE. That's a three-component process that has to be embedded in sales conversations because it's a way to emotionally connect. And the passion component is that they can see that you are clearly passionate and committed to solving their problems and that you are so engaged, emotionally engaged and being a resource for them. And that really goes into that worthy intent and the rapport that you're talking about. The conviction step is through social proof, third-party stories, testimonials, your ability to demonstrate your knowledge or a service or technology and help them see that proof of concept. It just through conviction, that step, that's where they start to trust you because the credibility and knowledge is proven. Then the enthusiasm is a success where you can transfer your own enthusiasm about helping them to them (laughs) to where they're enthusiastic about working with you. But it all starts with that worthy intent that you are referencing so what happens after you do a, a great job on the front end, you win the client, they love you, everybody feels great, that handoff happens, and they go into implementation and ongoing service. What happens if something goes awry with the relationship? Right. And so normally that starts with something else happened. So Uh, Either you didn't make a delivery on time uh, of critical components or parts or whatever the service expectation was, Uh, there's some kind of trigger event uh, that occurs. And that trigger event, what that does from a customer's perspective is that their trust has been betrayed because something happened that they didn't get what they expected, their expectations weren't met something that mm-hmm. they needed, that they that they uh, wanted. And so that's that first step. And there's many levels of this. Like I said, we've got the you know, DEFCON 1 to DEFCON 5. Mm-hmm. But when that occurs, uh, you need to allow the customer the space for emotional repair. And mm. if you don't give them the space for emotional repair, then you can fix the problem but you've actually not addressed the root cause in the sense of where they're at. And we're dealing with people, another human being, that emotional repair is critical to be able to move forward because sometimes having something go wrong can strengthen many times for me, in my experience, not sometimes it should strengthen the relationship because then they can have this confidence that you're going to be there, that you're going to hear them. And that you will take care of it, of course. I mean, we're all in sales. We are problem solvers. That is in our DNA. Um, 
But it's critical that when we're in those places that we don't get defensive and we don't just focus on fixing the problem without doing the emotional repair. And so, I, and I do have a story where this was so that I just came to that moment where I recognized what was missing um, and that emotional repair was missing. And we had uh, a client who had, um, I was out, I was not available, um, but through their whole escalation process, I'm sort of at the top of the the pie uh, or the pinnacle, but (laughs) they had (laughs) at the end of the business day, they were reaching out, they were on the West coast and they had an issue that they uh, urgently wanted to have addressed. And without going into all the backstory, they couldn't reach their the, the, the customer service team. Uh, so then they started escalating up. They, they couldn't reach anyone. I was actually out of the office that afternoon with my cell phone off uh, for a personal event. So I was unreachable, unreachable. So by the time I was done with that, being, you know, the sales professional I am, I'm checking my messages and I can hear these messages of urgency and the ratcheting up of literally where I thought their head was going to explode by (laughs) message number three or four. Um, I did call back. Um, I, you know, left them messages. I told them I'd be addressing it first thing in the morning, get the troops together, figure out what had occurred. And through that, and then dissecting what had happened, the number one thing that my customer was, I mean, the the actual issue was on their side, that they had had a breakdown on their end, which of course, when you do something wrong, that can make you really angry, right? But they needed answers. They wanted answers. Um, and the, the, the what made it worse was that they couldn't reach anybody. They couldn't vent. They couldn't talk about it. They couldn't get the answers that they need because their own internal team member um, that created the situation was completely, you know, out AWOL. So that frustration and that anger um, that, and this situation had been escalated to the (laughs) C-suite was the type of thing that um, they needed us. They needed us then. They needed to hear what was going, they needed answers and we couldn't, we, even if uh, we had been available, we wouldn't have been able to give them answers that night. Um, when you're working with global organizations, you've got offices all over and your headquarters are often in a very different time zone. However, um, as we started working through the problem, we created a, a, a way that they could reach people 24-7 uh, for the business. But it was obvious that there was still a block. Um, and we would have, we would have a team meeting. We came back with, this is what, what occurred. This is all the information. This is everything you need. This is how we're going to address this in the future so that you can reach us. They were still not satisfied. And I realized that, okay, what's happening here? And it was that they felt that they had been completely betrayed because there was no one they could talk to. And they were angry, really angry. And what we needed to do was have a meeting to get together and basically let them, I mean, it sounds, but they literally were just not yelling at us, but you could hear just this incredible frustration and anger. And they just pummeled us. We, (laughs) because it was that emotional where they needed to get rid themselves of this so they could move on um, in the process. 
And it's one of those things that I never recommend that you let your team be take abuse or this or that. But this was a, a, a something that it wasn't that they were being abusive. They had to be able to process this. And I very carefully selected the team and coached them that we needed to hear them. We needed to let them oh, talk. We, we could not be defensive. We couldn't say that we had a problem in place. We just needed to let them get it off their chest. I mean, and by doing that, they themselves calmed the temperature down during that meeting. And they, you could see, I could literally see in here because I was on site. Um, I had a team literally uh, from multiple places in the States that on the other end of the, this meeting, I could see them letting it go. Mm. And that was the emotional repair. They, they, they had to let go of that. They had to be able to get it off their chest of how angry they were and how frustrated they were and how this made them feel and the position that they felt it had put them in, that they couldn't provide answers to their executives that they, they desperately needed. And it, and it, it, it and it was, an internal issue, but they, they, they needed us to help them resolve that internal issue. <laughs> but at the end, they were able to then move forward and then really constructively, then the next meeting, how is this going to work? How's the process? How are we going to improve Matt? The temperature was completely gone. And instead they were all in with how we could, uh, in, you know, address, um, the root causes on our end, it was their responsibility, and they volunteered that to address the root causes on their end so this wouldn't happen again. So that emotional repair was really important. To, if that had not occurred, that, bitter, that would not have just been a bitter seed. That would have been like a tree that they planted. <laughs> to, that would have damaged the relationship. Um, and there are different circumstances that we all go through. Some of them are very small, but, and, and the most dangerous thing that I see with, when we're working with customers, some customers will not tell you when they're not happy on little things, they won't tell you. So that's where, once again, as a salesperson, it's really important that we take those right now, virtual coffee breaks, temperature checks and ask them questions that are not yes or no answers to make, especially when we sense that they're a Pollyanna, they're just going to keep saying everything's fine. Everything's great when it's not, um, we need to, and I found that out the hard way very early in my career and I lost a client. And when I'm fine, like why what's and it was because it was something that was so easily fixable if they had told me on day one that they they didn't like the particular material that we were using, we would have changed it. <laughs> I mean, in a heartbeat. Yeah. But but we kept doing business with them. Everything we delivered, all of the things that they had had these pain points on of delivery, you know, on time. That everything was correct, everything was done well, but they didn't like the actual material and. <laughs> It's like, you know, I was one of those things that I learned like, okay, how do I adjust for this? How do I pivot? We all learn from those cringeworthy moments. I mean, I hopefully all do. Um, hopefully. But that was one thing that I then like incorporated as I, you know, cause there I was in my twenties, but I incorporated that throughout then to have those conversations. Also, sometimes, like I said, when you're just having like that coffee break with them, 
um, Mm -hmm. whether today virtual, where you can ask them a few questions and draw them out and, and really in a way that they don't feel that they have to be confrontational because these are the people who don't like to be confront. They think any disagreement or any time that they have a difference of opinion is a confrontation. Yeah. And so when you, and absolutely when you pick up on that and those people and the same thing, if you have somebody who's very confrontational, um, then you need to be very focused on the emotional repair. Cause that means there's something else going on in their world and they're taking it out on you. So you need to really help with that. Now there are times where we all have had customers that they're just, you know, they're, they're just bad news. <laughs> They are. Oh, we've all been there. We've all been there. Yes. There's so much to unpack in what you've shared. I'm so thankful that your story was very specific. That's how people learn. What I took away, some of the biggest points here are going to be, one, most of the time, a situation goes awry when a client expectation is missed. That's probably the number one trigger that's going to cause a challenge. The second piece is we have to keep in mind that our clients are human beings. They are emotional. And if we don't focus on aligning with them emotionally, we can't ever start emotional repair. It starts with empathy. What you and your team did by creating an opportunity for them to be heard. So that's a rule of empathy. They can't hear you until they feel heard. And so what you did was after multiple red flags and emails, phone calls and escalations, you finally said, we need to just sit down with them and hear them out. With that, you created a space where they could come forward and be heard. From that, there's an alignment. Now they feel like now they get me. From there, you create an action plan on how you're going to clear things up and fix it. To your point, This can actually work in your favor because people will remember how you made them feel. And it is really hard to find a product, a service, a vendor that is perfect. And most of us can think back to every service or vendor or technology that we use or widget we bought or whatnot and be able to say things didn't always go right. However, what did the company do to fix it? And we remember that and that is more meaningful than what went wrong majority of the time. Your explanation of how to take them from that initial point of blowing up your phone and escalating past their initial contact to turning it around, that is exactly what needs to happen. And one thing I want to pull us in here before we wrap up is to remember that this is the Quota Crusher podcast. These stories come from top performers. As a former number one rep myself, I got involved in these types of conversations every day with my clients. And I will tell you, it was one of the reasons I was so successful because even when things went awry, these were clients that would become brand ambassadors, friends, and would eventually refer because they appreciated the way that the situation was handled. But if you are an absentee sales rep that sells it and runs away, you're missing out on a, on a proven way to continue to fill your funnel through client referrals. If you would just stick around for a little bit and ensure that everything goes well, it's shocking to see how much business you will get 
put back into your pipeline because of the relationship you choose to maintain, even if it's not in your job description. Lynn, this was very powerful today. I love the story. It helps truly paint the picture and help us understand. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now with Petite to Queen, Future Forward Sales, and how we connect with you. Absolutely. And I want to add one final tip because that in the story, it's so important to be very prompt in your response. Even when you don't have an answer, let them know that you've heard them and that you're working on it. That right there, that helps bring the temperature down that they get that response that you're there for them and you're going to be able to move forward. So I'm going to sort of end with that last yes, piece. Yes, super powerful. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, what we do is that we provide, as you mentioned, uh, the training and it's, it's virtual, it's live, you know, virtually live <laughs> and <laughs> it's not some kind of canned program. We're really with you through the training uh, to help supercharge your sales teams uh, put together all the pieces that you need. I'm such a believer in planning that when you do put everything together and you spend that investment of time, it pays off huge dividends because then you can execute on it quickly, consistently, and uh, with a high level of quality. And, and it's also then easy to tweak and refine that. You can find me at both websites, uh, Petite to Queen, Future Forward Sales, um, I'm on LinkedIn. It's real simple. Lynn Whitbeck at LinkedIn or LinkedIn and then slash Lynn Whitbeck. And I'd love to connect. And I just want to remind you, you know, if you are a go for it type of person and you believe in delivering and servicing your value and service to your clients, we're going to be a great fit. Mm, I love it. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Quota Crusher podcast. Did you like it? Be sure to give us a rating and share it with your friends. And don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Lastly, if your company needs a boost in revenue, like real revenue growth, send me a message and we'll discuss how our team builds revenue engines for our clients, covering all facets like marketing, sales, rev ops, and customer success. Until next time.